This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. And we had this spray that would make it blue. And it, and I was just like out there trying to make her hair blue with the spray. We're like get, trying to get everything ready. My wife was shooting today. And, you know, then my three-year-old, he wants to have blue hair. And I'm like, all right, I'm trying to give him some blue hair. And then it's just never blue enough for her. And I just, and I yell and I was just like, I was like, it's blue. It's blue. This is as blue as it gets. And I was just like, why am I yelling? I I, I mean, I'm yelling about the dumbest thing in the entire world. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives while striving to be the best versions of ourselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, with increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is Comedian Dad with Kurt Brownoller. Kurt is a comedian and co-host of Exactly Right's podcast, Bananas. He once hired a skywriter to write, How Do I Land in the Sky Over L.A.? That's a true story. That is true. He's been in a bunch of TVs and movies, including The Big Sick, awesome, Fox's Bob's Burgers, and Showtime's Black Monday. There are so many more. I'm not going to say them, but the list goes on and on and on. Kurt's one-hour stand-up special, Trust Me, premiered on Comedy Central, and he regularly appears on late-night sets on Conan, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, The Late Night Show with Seth Meyers, and The Late Late Show with James Corden. I know you guys have seen him everywhere. On Bananas, he and his partner, Scotty, discuss the strange, fascinating, and just plain banana news from around the world. And finally, Kurt has a stand-up special coming out tomorrow from when we're recording today, which we're going to talk about. And I was laughing my ass off yesterday as I was watching it. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Dan. Um, good to get back together. We are uh, exactly right siblings. Yeah. And um, you've been doing this a long time with bananas, uh, but we're going to talk all about that. But I want to I back up for a sec. Yeah. Because there's so many questions I've been dying to ask you, like... The road to becoming a comedian. Mm-hmm. I know everyone's is a bit different, but tell us yours. Um, mine was I moved to New York in 1998 when I was 22 and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was working at a bakery and uh, my, I saw my buddies perform their, gra- their level one graduation show at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Um, which is an improv theater mm-hmm. in New York. It at least used to be. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. And I took my first class and I was like, oh, I want to do, I want to do comedy for the rest of my life. Like it was immediately the first time I was on stage doing long form improv. And so I did improv for like seven years mm-hmm. and, and had a day job the whole time. Yep. And I could, and I was like, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at this, but I, why can't I get rid of my day job? Uh, and I was like, I, have, I need to start writing. So I uh, started this variety show called Hot Tub um, with Kristen Shaw in 2005. And uh, my 29th birthday is when we started it. And that's when I started doing stand-up uh, when I was 29. And so it's been 17 years now and wow. just been, uh, and now I'm having my third hour that'll be coming out. Which is, um, 
which is a tremendous accomplishment. And oh, um, I, so how old were you when you went to New York and you're like, okay, this is my thing. Early 20s? Uh, 22. 22, yep. yeah. So um, were you the funny guy growing up? Or, you know, the sarcastic guy? Or did this just sort of like bubble, bubble up? It was not, I wasn't the sarcastic guy. I was never class clown or anything like that. Um, I was relatively studious in school. I was more like the goofball and I was always in um, plays. Theater. So yeah. in high school, yeah. I was the theater kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And then in college, the same doing theater, but always doing it at places that didn't have theater programs. So mm -hmm. my, my high school had a theater program, but my college did not. And so it was all self-produced stuff mm -hmm. uh, that just the students would organize, mm -hmm. which I think was very helpful for me because then when I went to New York, I, I never had had an infrastructure. So I was always used to self-producing things. So, um, that came very easily to me once I was in New York city. I, I love hearing about people following their dreams and passions and then and then taking that leap. And I'm wondering from that day job transition mm -hmm. to, okay, I can do this. Was that was that risky? Was that scary? Or was it you're like, I, no, I'm like, this is happening. It was so I was fixing computers. I had been working at a TV production after I worked at the bakery. I worked at a TV production company and it was wonderful. It was like a mom and pop uh, creative production company making commercials mostly. And, uh, and really I decided that I wanted to do comedy, but I just saw, I was just the, the job I had was too close to it. If mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, like I could very easily have gone down that role of just staying in on the other side of the camera and doing production because it was, it, it would eventually would pay very well. And it was, it was creative enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I decided to quit and get a job I hated, um, so that I would have to get to, so that I would have to make it in comedy by design, so I, by design, by design. You, you added pressure to the system. I just added, I added a job that I didn't give a shit about. And that yep. wasn't very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started fixing, I, also, I know nothing about computers. I, I had an English and philosophy <laughs> degree and, um, and like just lied on my resume and said, I knew HTML in 2000 or 1999. And they're like, you know, HTML, come on, you fix our computers. And I was like, okay. Mm. Um, and so I would just, you know, Yahoo, the answers. And I worked, I eventually just kept moving my, my desk until I was in the computer room, <laughs> <laughs> like, which was essentially a closet, but it was like, to me, it was having an office because I was 23, four years old. Mm -hmm. And then I was in an, I had a, like a door I could close. And so I just would write comedy, uh, and like, you know, do, I would just only work on my own things in that little room. Mm -hmm. And so then the it continued on. And then when I started working with Kristen, we kind of had some success as a double act. And uh, we started like traveling. So I would have to take time off of that job. Mm -hmm. So at first I just had been like whittling my hours down. So I was like, how about I come in four days a week? And they're like, all right. Because I never asked for a raise. I never got a raise in eight years. It was mm -hmm. all it was the exact same amount of money I had eight years and they knew that, like, I just kept, instead of getting a raise, I just kept working less and less and mm -hmm. less, but keep keeping my health insurance, which was important to me. Yes. And then uh, we went, the first time we went, we went to Melbourne Comedy Festival. So that was a month. So I'd mm -hmm. take a month off work. And okay, they're like, that's significant. Well, yeah. That's significant. Yeah. yeah. And then I came back and they're like, okay. And then I went to Edinburgh. Uh, and that was a month. And then they're like, all right. And then it was okay. <laughs> And then the third time I asked to take a month off to go to another comedy festival, they're like, you, you can't do this. You can't yeah, do this. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. They're like, so we're going to fire you. And I was like, yeah. great. And then because yeah. I needed to get fired right. so that I could get unemployment. I was never going to quit that job. Yeah. And then um, just that unemployment that had lasted, I guess, for like six months. That was what kind of bridged the gap wow. into me just doing comedy full time. Wow. Okay, a few thoughts. First of all, one is what you were doing behind that closed doors is what so many uh, young people are doing now with their virtual jobs. It's like they get paid mm -hmm. to do something, but then they're doing something else on their couch right. or in their bed the whole time. I love yes. it. You were like totally ahead of it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and with your with your bosses, it was like I think of the parents where 
the the teenager or the young adult is like just waiting for your parents to say no, you can't do that, or just to cut you off. You're like, yeah. really? I still get to do this? And finally, they're like, no. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, when I got <laughs> fired, I was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. You're <laughs> you are right. To, you should have fired me yeah. months ago. <laughs> uh, so I've. So I watched this. I watched your stand up yesterday, and uh, I literally, everyone, you have to see this. This our show is. This will be out. Uh, his show will be out by the time you hear this, and um, I, I, I'm so curious as to because you make it. It's so natural. It just oh, flows. You. I'm sure you're probably critical of yourself, um, knowing you know uh, what you wanted to say or when you wanted to say it. But it, to to me, it's like. It's so natural. It just flows and you bring everything back and the content, some of the content, which we will touch upon. What is the process of writing and practicing an hour show? Well, you know, it, when you look at it as an hour, it seems like overwhelming. But in my head, they're all broken out into, you know, bits, you know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, it's really you you have each small piece memorized. So it's just in your mind remembering like, okay, this next thing is next. And then once you start going into it, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's all kind of muscle memory almost, but mm -hmm. it can't be too much muscle memory because then the audience doesn't feel connected to it. So mm -hmm. it is finding a way to these things that you've said so many times before, finding a way to invest, uh, you know, you're a, or, uh, you know, stakes into for emotional stakes for yourself while you're on stage. Okay. Um, but yeah, the way I primarily write is I take a lot of notes, uh, mm -hmm. everyday situations. And then when I sit down to actually like write some stand up, which is usually only m motivated by when I have to do a show, uh, then I'll actually just like look at some of the bits, maybe write it out. And then mm -hmm. I'll bullet point them in my, and then I'll uh, like, I literally type them into a dual doc. Uh -huh. And then I'll transfer them into my comedy book that I bring on stage with me. So that'll just have like a larger bullet points for the first time I do the joke. And then by like the first, second or third time I do the joke, it's just a word. Okay. Yeah. So it's like dad. And then you like, just yeah. go, go off on it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, there was a part, <laughs> there's a piece of the show. I, I like, I want to say so much, but people have to, uh, they have to get it for themselves. So I'm just going to try to, uh, you know, try to hit it <laughs> in the right way. And you'll tell me if I'm doing too much here. No um, worries. <laughs> there's a piece from, you know, we're going to go into you becoming a parent here. And there's a piece where you talk about <laughs> going from one child to two children and talking to a friend. And I just, I just stopped it. I filmed it and I sent it I, to my wife right there, that little, that little 40 second bit. Yeah. And I'm like, just watch this. And we were just howling because we uh, completely relate to that experience and beyond. Yeah. Um, so what, how has parenthood, has it changed the way you, I know it's changed the way you do life, but has it changed the way that you, do comedy or think about things? You know, that's a great question. I don't think it's changed the way I do comedy, but I do realize that, like my daughter is five right now. Mm -hmm. I do realize that at a certain, like it, everything that I'd ever like done in com comedy, I was just like, yeah, sure, I'll have kids. Maybe someday they'll be able to see this stuff. But I would always like, they're, they're not even going to be interested. They're not going to care. It's just going to be so old. Like they'll watch it when I'm dead or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But now the, the, the thing that I'm kind of coming into understanding is that there's like now seeing my daughter as more of a, of a, a human being yeah. being like, Oh, sh at some point she will see this, you know, yeah. so being conscious <laughs> yeah. of not, uh, not talking too specifically uh, yeah. about her or her brother. Um, yeah but kind of talking more in generalities about them. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, it hasn't changed. The only thing it's really changed is that I'm just on the road less. Like I choose mm -hmm. to not go out on the road as much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this show is about awareness and in listening to your stand up, where you talk a fair, a fair bit about your parents. Um, yeah. 
tell us about some of these awarenesses that all of a sudden crop up when you are now a parent and looking at your parents and being like, huh, oh, you know, like that probably should have gone a little different for me. And I want to do this a little different for my kids. Um, It is very interesting because I have, because my parents got divorced when I was two. And so I was raised, my mom raised me and uh, and she was a pediatric nurse and Mm -hmm. And my dad lived, uh, you know, lived very far away and I would see him, you know, not very often, but the stark difference between their parenting styles was, uh, fascinating. My mom was all about unconditional love. Like that was her whole thing. Um, thank God. Cause I needed a lot of that because yeah. I, <laughs> this was a crazy kid. Um, and then my dad, you know, my dad has had four wives. He has eight children. Um, you know, is there's, uh, as far as a dad, he's just, I don't know if, I don't know. I'm sure he thinks of himself as a dad, but I don't know if his actions ever like very, are ever very dad like, you know, Mm -hmm. in in that Mm -hmm. way. And Mm -hmm. so it's almost like he's had eight, eight children, but it's just, uh, it's almost like happenstance for his life. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) It seems. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so that is the interesting thing. The main, the main thing that I took away from when I became a parent is that how, I think when you become a parent is the first time you recognize that your parents were human beings outside of being your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that is because my mom died right before uh, we found out my wife was pregnant and for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so that was this whole thing of like, as soon as I became a parent, I was like, I had a million questions for her and, you know, couldn't ask her those questions. That was like the main thing Mm -hmm. that I just felt found so difficult about being a parent. Well, and what I gathered from that, um, in watching and hearing about your, uh, some about your story was you have one parent who's no longer with you, who was a guiding light and support. Mm -hmm and wise, and caring, and did heroic work. Um, And then you have your dad, who is not really there, hasn't quite role modeled much, and from what (laughs) I gather, is not someone you would go to to ask a parenting question. Yeah. And so, what's (laughs) it? Yeah. (laughs) So, so how do you, you know, how do you do this? Do you, is it all based on your own experiences and deciding how you want to try to do things differently? And, or do you have other people, other parent mentors that you do look to, uh, for some guidance? I think it's really just my wife and I talking about it Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, after discussing it, like our goals for the kids are like kindness and always trying, like never Mm. giving up. Mm. You know, that's like kind of the things it's not, we don't want to make it accomplishment based, but mm-hmm. rather an attempt based. Cause especially mm-hmm. that, that really resonates with our lives. My wife and I's life, my wife is a, a writer and an actor mm-hmm. and this industry is just, is just, de- is just failure after denial, after failure, after denial, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just about not giving up. That's all it is. It's just about not giving up. And so that's kind of where we've been kind of like focused on for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I know it's just going to get more complicated as they get older. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's what, yeah, we've just been, nice. that's what we've been focused on. Well, nice. And I want to, so a few things there. I want to highlight for you and for everyone listening that it is huge to actually have parental goals because in the, in my experience as a parent and also as doing my work with families over the years and parents, it's amazing how people often go about parenting all of like go about parenting of like, Oh, we're just going to raise our kids. But if we, in mm-hmm. our business lives, we're like, okay, what's our goal? What's our business plan? What's right. our, how are we going to execute? But when it comes to parenting, we're like, all right, we're just going to like feed them and love them. And, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But when you have a goal, you can actually back out how you're going to handle each situation based on your guiding principles. It's actually mm-hmm. a wonderful 
model for thinking about how to interact with your kids yeah. on a daily basis when you have, okay, I want them to be kind and I want them to try. Yeah. Yeah. That is like, and, um, and that's like the, yeah, it is, it's very nice to have that to fall back on. It's a backbone mm -hmm. of, of, cause it's very easy to lose your way. It's so yes. easy. They immediately put you in situations where you're like, shit, uh, I yeah. haven't thought about this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pause, pause. Yeah. That's the other thing I've finally learned as our kids are, uh, much older is that, um, we think we have to like react in the moment with our kids and particularly as your five-year-old is probably highly verbal and getting older mm -hmm. like all of a sudden there's this human who is like like just challenging you intellectually like behaviorally emotionally and when we think we have to act or react in the moment it often does not go quite well right. as if we're like okay I just need to think this thing through or you right. know what mom and I just need to have a little moment and we'll get back to you on this. Yeah. That's actually great. I, I wish I had done that this morning. It was, <laughs> it was, it was crazy hair day today. For oh yeah. For Olive's, oh, yeah. um, uh, kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And she, and I think a, a thing she struggles with is because she has a very good imagination. She's highly verbal. She, can imagine a future state of things that is not realistic. Mm -hmm. um, and so she thinks her hair is going to be like insane, look like snakes or something. And it's just like, well, it's going to be in a bunch of weird ponytails and we're going to, and we yeah. had like this spray that would make it blue. Oh yeah. And it, and I was just like out there like trying to make her hair blue with the spray. We're like get, trying to get everything ready. My wife was shooting today and you know, then my three-year-old, he wants to have blue hair and I'm like, all right, I'm get, trying to give him some blue hair. And then it's just never blue enough for her. And I, <laughs> and I yell and I was just like, I was like, it's blue. It's yeah. blue. This is as blue as it gets. And I was just like, why am I yelling? I yeah. don't, I, I mean, I'm yelling about yeah. the dumbest thing in the entire world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I am flashing of our uh, pictures of Crazy Hair Day right now, and they all, the the pictures and the pictures then become the memories. Like, oh look how cute! But you know, yeah. if you just peel behind that, it's like usually a shit show. Yeah, yeah, just... yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good, and it is almost Halloween, crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. oh yeah, there's a lot to be said by getting the costume just right as well. Do your kids uh -huh. are they do they know what they're gonna be? Has that been a thing? Uh, yes, they do know what they're going to be. Gus has been pretty set the whole time. He's like, dog, I'm a dog. And we're like, great. Nice. Love Perfect. It. Yeah. And Olive has changed her mind a bunch, but I think she's settled on a light up octopus. So we had to figure out how to put these like light up lights on this octopus. Oh, costume. very and cool. So that's a job for later today. That <laughs> is. And I'm sure it'll be just bright enough. Yeah, no, there's going to be no problem. <laughs> it's bright. It's bright. <laughs> 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 so uh, humor in like do you how much do you use humor actually let me ask this way how much do you use humor in your regular life as as just kind of who you are and then mm -hmm. how does it trans translate to parenting or using it in your parenting um i think yeah i'm i think we're always laughing i think you know uh it's either like laughing or stressed. And those are like the two things, the <laughs> yeah. two like modes in the house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think with the kids, it's, I think it's just a goofiness. It's just like a general goofiness that we, uh, that I think Lauren and I both kind of foster with, with both of them. And, um, but we still take things seriously. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it, it, there's a goofiness, but things are still serious. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I think is, you know, it's just a, like, just like the natural way I think I go through the world. Mm -hmm. Does, and then with bananas, mm -hmm. does, I feel like the world just helps your show on a daily basis, <laughs> right? Oh, like, yes. yeah. like part, like partly are you like, oh my God, this is really happening. And oh, this is great stuff. For our, like, yeah. how did so how did bananas come to be? It was actually a TV pilot that Scotty and I had oh. made years ago for Comedy Central. 
and uh, it never went anywhere. And so we kind of retooled it and renamed it. And, you know, it's just all about strange news. And, uh, you know, it's I think we just love what Scotty and I both love is just the idea of like kind of a celebration of the uh, beautiful absurdity of the world. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So beautiful absurdity gives me a little more hope than shit show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. Um, Humans are absurd creatures, aren't we? I mean, we're fascinating. We're fascinating. Yeah. What what have you learned about humanity through bananas? I mean, you, you're pulling from all over the world. Like this stuff yeah. happens everywhere. Uh, it is. There's a uh, the things that we love the most is are the things that where things are done for no discernible reason other than the person likes it or thinks it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, that, that's, I love those things, you know, because I think we are inundated with, if anything's ever like, uh, wacky or strange, there tends to be a, um, a, 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 for, to, for, to, to not a capitalist reason behind it. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like this weird thing. Oh, it's an advertising campaign or, or this, right. you know, or this person's doing this thing. Oh, it's to promote their podcast or this thing, or this is so that they'll get more likes on TikTok so that they can get money and a, and a deal. But to mm-hmm. find those true strange, uh, you know, strange events and people that are just like just done for the pure joy of living. Those are the things I think that we love the most. Mm, mm-hmm. Does researching and doing the show enhance your life? I mean, by diving into humanity this way, is it like, the, you know, like the humor is medicine. Laughter is medicine. Does it, does it do something for you? Oh yeah. And also, I mean, if nothing else, it really, it's a lot, it's, it's very easy to have small talk at parties because I have (laughs) 1 billion dumb news stories at my fingertips at all times that I can tell people about and we can have a conversation about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, uh, I do think in our times, well, everyone always wonders like, are these times harder than previous times? And you know, there's all this debate, but these times are complex and I, the research shows over and over that like laughter and humor enhances mental health and well-being. Yeah. And yeah. It's so needed. It's so needed. Oh yeah. It's like, especially like just hormonally, just with the, mm-hmm. I think it like, it, it drives cortisol down when you're laughing, you know, it like, it does all these really healthy things for your brain, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Mm-hmm. Good news for me. <laughs> Good news for you. It's like it's, it's just like a, a a positive part of your job. So now, as a parent, and as you are out in the world, and you are researching about the world and the complexities of the world. How do you wh- how do you manage thinking about raising your kids into this emerging, evolving world we are living in? Well, the main thing is that I really, truly don't think that I can could ever anticipate what the challenges that they'll face uh, in the future are. There'll be things that we don't even understand at this point. You know, like mm-hmm. once I always think about VR, I do think like VR mm-hmm. is going to become a really huge part of my kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be thing, there's going to be issues in there that we cannot possibly predict in the same way that we couldn't predict like uh, these that like depression and suicide from, you know, uh, adolescent girls using Instagram, you know, like that sort of thing. And so, you know, and and I think that this is like always you're just trying to prepare them and give them the tools that they have um, to be able to weather whatever those crazy things are in the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it really just comes back to um, kind of like the goals that I have as a parent, which is, Mm -hmm. 
um, kindness, you know, obviously always making sure that they feel loved mm -hmm. and, uh, and that the attempt to try to, to do is far more important than success. Um, and that really mm -hmm. comes back to something I learned, uh, back when I was teaching improv, um, was that I always would talk about, you know, there's a, there's this thing called the, there's the back line. Uh, when you're improvising, where it's like all the people who are not in a scene, they're on the back line, and then the stage mm -hmm. is kind of in front of them. And it's that it's that act of stepping out onto the stage and committing to action that actually happens prior to thought. And mm -hmm. that that action prior to thought is the really the most important action, um, because that actually forces you to have to speak. If you sit on the back line and wait for to like think of something witty to say, you'll stay on the back line for forever and you'll actually never get out and do anything. But mm -hmm. that action, that commitment to action prior to thought, I think is so critical. I always used to refer to it as like the big bang, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. like the, 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 the effort to create something out of nothing. And so I really want to instill in my kids that, uh, that, that desire to, to make, to create, to try, Mm -hmm. is more important than whatever it is that happens at the end of that. Nice. Okay, that is, there's so much there. I mean, there's so much there for um, stepping into life. And it's, and it's also something about trusting your instincts. Because as you step out from that line, you're kind of going by a feeling, right? And an impulse where mm -hmm. it isn't all figured out. And then you're, once you commit, then you just bring your best self to the situation and it either you kill it yeah. or you flop or whatever. But it's like, it's that having the confidence to step out is a, such a wonderful metaphor for life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You either, you either, you either kill it or you bomb, but you lived either way you lived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, because I, okay. Cause I'm thinking about anxiety, which is a big thing these days. Um, yeah. and, and parental anxiety, which is a huge thing these days for lots of legitimate reasons. And, and from, from the actors that I have talked to over the years, I, I do get a sense that some do have a lot of performance anxiety that they deal with. And there are mm -hmm. others that don't. And so mm -hmm. where, where do you fall on the continuum? I am, there's, it's, it's, I, long time ago, still when I was improvising, uh, someone said that that nervousness, that anxiety you have is simply, uh, undirected energy. And that if you can direct it into the, what you actually need to do, uh, then it can be, you can take something that is a hindrance and make it a tool. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of, worked on that through the years, anytime you feel that kind of, especially, you know, I, I feel it most succinct and I'm doing the tonight show in a couple of weeks and nice. the most succinctly when I do a late night set, because mm -hmm. there is this, you know, the show is going on and they do live to tape. It's not, it's not live, but it feels like it's live because everything mm -hmm. happens the way it happens in the show. Mm -hmm. And then you're the last thing at the end of the show. And there's, you know, the famous celebrity guests are sitting on the couch yeah. with Jimmy Fallon. And yeah. then you're standing behind a curtain and two, uh, and two like union dudes, union <laughs> stagehands are like just yeah. sitting there, just huge dudes covered in tattoos. And they yeah. got like a hand on either side. And then you're just waiting for the countdown and it just goes, and then they just pull it apart, pull the curtain apart and you step out and just do your thing. Um, my heart's, my, my heart's fluttering right now, just, just imagining <laughs> that. And so it's about turning that anxiety into excitement to perform, yeah. you mm -hmm. know? And mm -hmm. it's, it's a very conscious, like, like trying to, it's you almost like physically channel it into different parts of your body. Mm. So, yeah, but yeah. like to do, to go do like a normal set, um, you get like, you can feel adrenaline kick in. Right but it doesn't necessarily make me scared. Yes. Well, and that's a good, that's a good um, differentiator because adrenaline is the, dr the driver of anxiety. It's one of the mm -hmm. main, one of the right. main ingredients. And so often we have pregame jitters 
or we have adrenaline and we can easily think about, oh God, I'm scared. You know, something bad is going to happen. But if we channel it to like, no, 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 I'm just amped. I'm pumped. Let's, mm-hmm. let's do this. It's, it's, it becomes a, a mindset becomes the key. Right. Exactly. Because that adrenaline, if you go back, like, you know, I'm, I'm no evolutionary biologist, but that <laughs> adrenaline it, that so often, you know, goes into our anxiety was also what allowed us to have that additional energy to catch that prayer or whatever, do whatever exactly. they're doing on the, on exactly. the Savannah. I don't know, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah. Well, as I was hearing you talk about, um, your outlook or your, your perspective for your kids and, um, that you can't even anticipate the challenges in this future that will become that, that they will deal with. I, I, it to me is a model for anti-anxiety parenting because it's, you're really staying present with, okay, all I can control is like today I had to get their hair blue yeah, and uh, tonight I got, or whatever, I got to get some lights and I, and I want them to be good people and try hard. And that's what I can focus on. And I can't even deal with the unknown out there because who knows? Right. So that, that is a very present based, non-anxious parenting, um, paradigm. Is that, is it conscious or as I'm here, as I'm talking to you, you're like, Oh yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's more, Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, because it's so easy, it's so easy to just go down a rabbit hole of like, imagining oh, yeah. the worst case scenario i just simply mm-hmm. i i yeah I, I don't do it and i can't do it because I, it, mm. it simply seems like a waste of my mental energy oh that's beautiful everyone listening we're going to take a page from kurt like it's like because so many of us for lots of real reasons are worried about what's coming next and what's going to happen and what might not happen and what if what if what if and the what ifs are terrible. They're terrible. Like it's we're 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 wrestling with an imaginary monster in the future that doesn't right. even exist. And so much exactly. energy goes there that takes us away from what we need to be doing right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I we I wanted to. My wife and I want to get this tattoo. We mm-hmm. neither of us have any tattoos, um, but we're thinking about getting our very first one, which is uh, this is temporary. Nice. And we had thought about it because it also works as a funny tattoo too, because it's not it's not a temporary <laughs> tattoo. Um, but uh, it was just because we had a lot of problems with our youngest. Just he was, you know, he had a, a, a couple, you know, minor uh, uh, physical problems, but that caused mm-hmm. him to cry and not eat. So he was mm-hmm. always crying and not eating for. Mm three years wow. <laughs> and it was just tough. very, very stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, what kept us grounded was like, this is temporary, you know, and that is such a good thing to remind, remember mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. all of parenting, yes. you know, that like change is the only constant in life. You know, we, we both, yes. I actually have the I Ching around here, the book of changes that, you know, ancient mm-hmm. Chinese, yeah. Uh, uh, book and we throw the throw the bones as they say it every once in a while um but uh but just to know that like every moment like the thing that you're struggling with with your child right now is yeah. not going to be the thing you're struggling with with your child in a year it's that, it's going yeah. to be a new struggle that is that's gold right there because it it's it's so true um yeah the and it's and it's it's also true of the opposite when you're just having the best moments yeah you just you need to relish them because yes. those are temporary as well yes. it's, it's yeah it's a roller coaster um yeah. and it's all part of their journey and um as most people say it's our kids are the ones that shine a light on us and a mirror on us of all of all of the aspects of ourselves that are lying dormant or are things that we need to become aware of or just triggers and um it's this wonderful petri dish of um it's kind of a game yeah you know not to minimize it but it's mm-hmm. kind of this game of life they they, they mm-hmm. had something with that board game there yeah <laughs> uh, hmm so what do you what do you wish and hope that people get from your your comedy your talent and your, your presence on the stage. 
Um, a long time ago, I sat down to write out my reason for existence for being a stand-up comedian. And the, the, the line I came up with was to insert absurdity into the world to make the world a better place. Mm. And I just hope that, um, I, I hope that I can insert an, an appreciation for, as I said before, the, the, the absurd beauty of this world. The, the absurd beauty of being a human being. It's yes. so strange and, and weird and cool and sad and, and happy and, you know. All of it. it yeah, it's yeah. all of it. Yeah, it, it makes me think of um, Zorba, Zorba the Greek, uh, the full catastrophe, right? Like life is like it's everything. Like it's, it's just everything. kind of like – and I love this perspective of absurdity and, and of – I'm getting of like almost of like curiosity and wonder. Like yes. this, this human experience with other human beings on this planet is really absurd. <laughs> yeah. I I remember recently I was with a I was with a friend and uh we were at this place that I was like fascinated by. I do think I have like a <clears throat> I get like little childlike fascinations with things and places sometimes. And uh, and I just kept talking about it. I was like, I can't believe this place exists. Like this is so strange. Like I want to know the history of it and all this sort of thing. And he turned to me and he said, um he's like, "Well, you you know what? You should just google it cuz this is getting boring." And I was just like, oh, I don't think we're friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you don't want to continually talk about this fascinating thing that's so exciting yeah. to me? It was like, all right, yeah, we'll just Google it. Google has ruined so much. Google has taken away all of our uh, of our uh, our not knowingness. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I love Google, but it is, yeah. there, is a, there is a loss there. Yes. Um, there is, and you're reminding me of something that I couldn't stand growing up. And, um, every time when I would ask my mom, like what this word was or mm -hmm. what this word means or what this thing was. And she would say, well, let's, let's look it up in the dictionary or yeah. like, let's look in the encyclopedia and like, no, just tell me, just tell me. And Mom, because I know you are listening, I greatly now appreciate what you were doing. And it yeah. was really good parenting. And now <laughs> our kids don't even need to struggle like that. We don't even yeah. struggle like that. Hey, what's that? Boop. And now we have like three pages on what it is. All right, next. And so a video is, of, of yeah. explaining it too. Yes, yes. So um, so what will you do? How do you think you will handle this with your kids when it comes to the easiness, I get you're so blessed. They don't have phones yet and all of yeah. that stuff. Like, how do you, do you, how do you imagine? I know this is like, I'm dropping this on you, but how do you imagine you will find the balance of using these tools as great learning tools and also for you to keep this, instill this wonder of a curiosity and absurdity? I, uh, well, I think for the, for the tech side, I think we're just going to be very strict about it. Mm -hmm. Um, about, they're not getting like they have they have uh, like tablets that they can access that we keep, you know, obviously away from them at all times. <laughs> yes. But like for like specific instances, like plane trips and stuff like that, they can have access to these tablets. And yes. um, I think it's just about and it's so hard because these 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 technologies are invented. They're purposefully created to, you know, create dopamine drops in the brain so that you want to use them over and over and over and over and over again. Yes. And so it is a lot of crying and it is a lot <laughs> of whining. And yes. it's just, I think that's going to be the hardest part for my wife and I is mm -hmm. to not just slowly, slowly acquiesce to them using it more and more, but having a very hard, yes. uh, hard and fast rules about them. Uh, Cause that is the toughest part. It is. And your your reasoning is sound. And may the force be with you on that Thank one. Thank you. It is, yes. <laughs> yes. I know it's going to be yeah. hard. Oh, it's so hard. And and but, but the point you're making, and for everyone listening, just to remember when you are battling with your kids and teenagers over their devices, 
it truly is a scientifically orchestrated dopamine suck designed yeah. to have your kids have withdrawal and meltdowns just like you do when you're trying to stop scrolling and Netflixing and you can't either. Like it's yeah. it, like it's science. So it, 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 it it's hard. Yeah, there, I mean, like there was a there, there's a documentary called The Social Dilemma, which is yep. which has its problems as a documentary. But I always think about this one metaphor. It's not even really a metaphor that it's actually like when you're looking into the glass of your like computer, what's looking back at you is an incredibly powerful artificial intelligence that it, that is that is looking at everything about you, about what your pupils and your eyes are doing, where the, where on the page you're looking to just continually get you to ask for more, you know, mm -hmm. and that is to think about it that way, that there is an intelligence inside that thing that is yeah. manipulating you yes. is fascinating. Crazy. OK, quick, quick related tangent. Then we're moving on to the parent footprint moment question. But to your point, this is a whole nother episode. Yeah. Um, we were talking with a friend. A friend was asking where one of our kids was going to college. We said, and then, and he was visiting from out of state. He goes back home and on his phone, all of a sudden he's getting ads from the college that we were talking about. Yeah. Right. So like his phone was listening to our conversation, right? Yeah. Like this is, this is a real thing. Yeah. Ah, absurd. That's the beautiful absurdity <laughs> of being it human. Is, yes. Yeah, it is. It's just such a challenge. Like that is going to be like, I think a, a big challenge for our kids is interacting with artificially intelligent systems, yes. like, which is so, and that's a thing was like, I have no idea what that, I have no right. idea what those problems are going to be yes. like. Yes. No. And, ter and Terminator will never happen. The ter it's, it, that, that thing will never happen, everyone. So it, just put not that needed. to rest. It's no, it's we don't not need needed. Okay, Kurt, here we go. Parent okay. footprint moment question. Yes. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or even an awareness of your own parents. And that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, your kids and or those you love and care about? I think it was, um, it was a moment where I realized that my mom was a single parent. <laughs> mm -hmm. This was, was when I had one kid, not even had two kids. And Lauren and I were deeply struggling. Mm -hmm. But it just, it, I had a, a moment where I just was like, oh, my mom did this all by herself the whole yeah. time. And, and, and I couldn't reach out to her and, you know, ask her about it or anything like that because she'd already passed away. Um, so that mm. it just gave me such a much deeper appreciation for how good of a job that she did do. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's always like that, you know, when, if your parents are still alive, talk to them, tell them mm -hmm. stuff, <laughs> tell mm -hmm. them stuff that you might not. Cause you'll mm -hmm. want to tell them later. Oh, like that's my, yeah. you know, yeah. that's wisdom right there. Yeah. Wisdom. Um, and it is amazing how once we step into the adult stages that we see things so differently, we see mm -hmm. our upbringing differently, our parents differently. And, um, yeah, often with appreciation or at least humility. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember my friend Matt, when I had a kid, told me, um, he's like, you know what I realized after I had kids is that there's two types of people in the world. There's parents and there's children. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you haven't become a parent, you're still a child. Still and I was true. just like, oh, wow, it's really so true. <laughs> yeah, so true. So true. Well, um, your mother did an amazing job of raising you. Um, oh, well, thank you. I appreciate yes, that, Dan. Yes. Your mother did a great job. You yeah. did a great job, too. <laughs> did you hear I know that, your Mom? Did you hear that? She <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you too, Dad. You're listening too, Dad. We're yeah. not going to leave you out here. <laughs> um, okay. So tell everyone, Kurt, um, your stand up is uh, coming out tomorrow, perfectly stupid. Yes. Headlining, right? Tell yes. everyone. 
You can go see it um, for from October 27th to like November 11th. You can see it on moment.co, mm-hmm. which is kind of a new platform for comedians to bring their specials directly to fans. Um, cost 10 bucks and it'll be there for two weeks. You can watch it. And then after that, it will uh, go up on your iTunes and your Amazons and stuff like that. Awesome. You guys, it is freaking hilarious. And I just had to like bite my tongue throughout our time together because I was just going to like be dropping all of your like little, like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's so funny. Go do that. Um, also then how do people continue? Obviously bananas tell, you know, yes, bananas, bananas. You can just, yes. we comes out every Tuesday. It's on exactly mm-hmm. right. Uh, go listen to us talk about the strange news of the world and tell our own personal funny stories. And then all of your stand-up gigs and your your late night appearances, do those get aggregated someplace where people can watch them? Uh, yeah, you can go to my website, kurtbrownoller.com. All right, you better spell that because I could barely say it. You can just Google Kurt Comedy, Kurt B Comedy. Yes, because it's, yeah. it's easy to see and harder for guys like me to read. Kurt yeah, I might, I might Brownoller. Buy the, I might buy the, I should buy the website Kurt B Comedy. I should do that. Right there you now. go. Right now. Did you make a note? Put in your yeah. little notebook. He is everyone. <laughs> He's putting it in there. All right. That's Kurt Brown. B-R-A-U-N-O-H-L-E-R. That's it. Uh, Kurt, thank you for this conversation. Um, thank you, Dr. Dan. And thank you for making my day yesterday a very fun day. And yeah. I am actually going to constantly think about the beautiful absurdity of being a human in this world. All right. With that, everyone, thank you for listening. Please share this show with anyone and everyone who you know loves comedy, loves real people, and loves to look at the world in a unique way. We need to laugh. We need to find hope. And we need to have wonder about our human experience. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to do. Try to be that person you want your child to become. And ask yourself the guiding question. I ask myself each day, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.